Yo, what up? It's your boy, Cool Shep. This podcast is brought to you by my boy, Joey T and Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts, hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, we go up you on how we just chill. What is going on, Sixers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Trust the Podcast. I am your host, Joe Tooman, as always. The Sixers are coming off a home-and-home series with the Wizards this week. We split uh, the games, winning on Monday, losing tonight. And for that reason, I am once again joined for the second time and is in a few weeks here, Washington Wizards fan and Daily Collegiate sports editor, Andrew Buckman. Andrew, thank you for joining me once again. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here after a Wizards win. Yeah, well, a Wizards win tonight, not on Monday, but we can talk about that. So the Wiz won tonight. We can start with tonight since it just happened. Uh, 121-111 win for your Wizards. We're off to a 4-4 four and four start to the season. Now, not to b- burst your bubble here, but Embiid was out both of these games. Uh, he has the, the non-COVID illness is what they're calling it. So, you know... We've been talking a lot about Kristaps Porzingis this season and how you, before the year you you told me you thought he was going to be the best player on the Wizards this uh, this season. T- today, him and Beal, they combined for 59 points. Kristaps uh, was having his way against the Sixers, which we can talk about. But how would you describe uh, that duo, how they played so far this season? Yeah, I mean, this is probably Brad's... Well, it's definitely his best game, maybe his only good game of the season. So that's okay. that's that's a. I mean, it's a good spot to do it. Um, I mean, the Sixers are obviously talented, even without Joel Embiid. I think that the Sixers are still a very talented team. So I'm I'm pretty okay with him playing the way that he did, and I think it's a good spot if this is a jump, you know, diving board for him to to really just start getting it together. Um, that'd be awesome. And Porzingis. <laughs> Obviously tonight, you know, no Embiid, but he's been tearing it up as well. I have him in fantasy basketball as well. He's been doing good for me. Why? What is clicking for him in Washington? Well, he was kind of doing this last year as well. I mean, I, I don't. Here's the thing. I I think people are so willing to write off Kristaps Porzingis just because he gets hurt so often, but his level of play, other than I mean, he wasn't great at times in Dallas, but really, I just think I think. His level of play is always pretty similar. He's always going to give you a double double. He's always going to play solid enough defense. If not, like I mean, he has nights where he's an incredible defender. Um, he has off nights shooting, but usually you know what you're getting from him. I mean, he's he's called a unicorn for a reason. <laughs> I mean, he he has the range. He has the ability to go inside. He obviously has the height, being seven three. But yeah, I mean, I. I knew he was going to be our best player, and I think if he continues to stay healthy, that that's not going to change. Um, and I think that's good for Brad. I think Brad is is better when he's not expected to be the best player on the team. Yeah, that goes back to the the Wizards days with John Wall as well. Another thing about Beal, you mentioned this to me uh, we were talking about the other day at the office. Um, just that Brad is now that Monte's there. Monte didn't have as good a game tonight as he did Monday, yeah. but overall, he's like a real point guard. He's had starting experience in Denver. You were saying you like that Brad hasn't had to have the ball in his hands as much, uh, kind of like the old days with Wall. Why do you think he's just not – why is he not who you want to have the ball in his hands? Why do you not want him as the primary He's just creator? a bad ball handler. He he has no ability to really take care of the ball. Um, and I don't, I don't know what it is. He doesn't have like a – a simple like ball handling package. It's just <laughs> is not there. I mean, he's a shooting guard. Yeah. And we've had him play 
as a, a primary, primary ball handler for the last three or whatever years. I think it is three, yeah. Um, and so it's just, I mean, he's he's never learned. He's never really gotten better with, with handling the ball. I mean, obviously his usage rate is super high, so he's going to turn the ball over more. But having a true point guard that can handle the ball and can bring the ball up the floor is, is so ben- beneficial for him. And I think once he really gets comfortable with that, it'll just be a, a huge positive for the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, last year he averaged, I think, almost seven assists a game in the games he played. But, you know, that's kind of, to your point, like, the stats say that. But then you look at, you know, the turnovers, and you also look at his his offensive scoring went down efficiency-wise and, and points-wise. So I think there's there's definitely merit to what you're saying. So going forward with the Wizards, before we touch on the Sixers here, just, you know, you, you were mentioning you like what you're seeing from the defense. I mean, Kuzin, Hachimura, you got your Hachimura jersey on right now. I never never would have thought I would have seen that, but there it is. Um, those two guys at forward, you know, have been really interesting. And you're also starting Anthony Gill, who I barely knew who he was. I was texting you about that. Like, what, what goes into the rest of this Wizards rotation? What do you think is working for the um, players? I mean, going into the year, I thought we had too many, you know, stretch fours on our roster but now I think I don't know I I think Wes Unseld is kind of getting the hang of it I a lot of Wizards fans were unhappy with the fact that Gil's been starting games but I kind of like the way that he inserts him and just has that veteran presence on the floor and then just plays him sparingly throughout the rest of the game I'm I'm pretty okay with it because Rui's going to get the most minutes of those three guys because he's obviously the best player of those three and he's, he has the most talent. He's, um, I don't know, he just understands the game. But I think Rui coming off the bench is going to be super beneficial for him and I think he has the potential to be a one of the better six men in, in the NBA. Um, and then Denny, I love Denny defensively. <laughs> I don't, Denny is a wild card offensively. I said this in the one podcast that we had yeah, with Joe Epstein, but like, I don't I don't understand his offensive game. I never will. He he's best with the ball in his hand. He can't really shoot and he can't finish at the rim. So it's just like I would prefer that he kind of just stays out of offense. He can just be more of a distributor and I don't know, just not shoot the ball maybe. Just kind of a playmaking wing. It's just interesting cuz I I believe that's the Halliburton draft and we're talking about point guards. Like yeah. it's a what if, but there's also a lot of other teams that yeah. passed on Halliburton. So I wouldn't kill the Wizards for that, but it is something that you know, what could have been is kind of that situation. What When did Halliburton go? He was 11th. Okay. Yeah, but it it's neither here nor there. I think Monte's yeah. fine for what they're doing now. Like, I don't know how much better. I mean, Halliburton would make this team better, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Looking yeah. at the Sixers' end of things, I will say there was some nonsense going on in the game tonight. We saw, you mentioned it, George Niang was covering KP at one point. Uh, we saw P.J. Tucker getting the small ball center minutes once again. Paul Reed was a plus four in six minutes. Montrez Harrell, uh, once again, was less than stellar former wizard Montrez Harrell. Just what, what did you make of the Sixers' attack tonight? I mean, Maxie had another great game. He he continued to stay hot. Harden, who you you, you predicted, I, I feel like a little tongue-in-cheek, but kind of predicted as your MVP this year. He's kind of looked like it so far. But what would you make of how the Sixers look tonight against the Wiz? Um, The biggest proof that Joel Embiid was not playing was the fact that Kristaps Porzingis did whatever the hell he want when mm-hmm. he was in the paint. Like there's no one guarding him, and no one like no one had a chance, honestly. Yeah. Like and that offensively, I think he obviously he's going to be huge for you guys. But defensively against a guy like Kristaps Porzingis, that's where you're going to miss Embiid the most. Like 
Montrez and PJ can only do so much against a guy that's like, I don't know, six inches taller than yeah. them. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I th- Obviously, Joel Embiid is one of the best defenders in the NBA and having him in there would have been big. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I think Doc's an idiot anyway. So I don't, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we probably would have been in this game regardless. I mean, we saw that on Monday. We can get to that game. Sixers won on Monday. Uh, Harden had a good game. 17 assists on Monday against you guys. Harden had 22, 7, and 17. Maxi stayed hot. He had 28. He was awesome on Monday. Really drove the drove the bus for the Sixers against while while Embiid was once again uh, out. A big difference. I said this to you a couple minutes ago. I thought Monday having DeAnthony Melton out there to play defense was something we missed tonight. Uh, just he he's I've loved everything he's done for the Sixers team. Uh, definitely up there, one of the league leader in steals right now, towards the top of that. Just just he's been a great energy guy off the bench, and I think he needs more minutes. But that aside, Maxi was killing you guys. Not not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean he's one of those players that like the Wizards will just play. He reminds me of like when the Broncos. This is kind of a random oh reference, but when the Broncos <laughs> play Josh Jacobs, like. It's just like it's just living hell for me. Like I I know he's going to destroy me and just make my life even if we win the game. And it's the same thing with with Tyrese Maxey. I know yeah. when Tyrese Maxey plays the Wizards, we're screwed. Because Bradley Beal cannot defend no. Tyrese Maxey. No. I mean, Denny can maybe do it, but Denny can't stay out of foul trouble, so like that's a problem. Rui's too, Rui's not fast enough to defend him and then yeah. I mean, Monte is a whatever. I don't know. I think Monte is an okay defender, but I don't think there's anyone. He tries, that, but he's not like I don't, good. I don't think know? there's anyone on the Wizards that can defend Tyrese Maxey, yeah. and I think that's that's the biggest problem. That and logo I'm three, just, though, is nasty. The thing is, I think you just kind of have to let Tyrese Maxey do what he does and then just try and beat everyone else yeah. is, is the ultimate That's goal. fair. I mean, that's kind of what happened tonight as opposed to on Monday. Another guy who's been, he did really good against the Wiz was George Niang. He he was lighting up both of these games. A little bit better on Monday, but, you know, defensively, you know, tonight, as we said, a little bit matched up on Porzingis at times. That was a little silly, but I don't know. If he's going to be making his shots, my problem with him is, like, he's either red hot or he's, like, one of four, and when he's one of four, he's not useful because he doesn't do anything else, uh, at least at the NBA level, but... I don't know. I thought I thought he's had a good series, uh, not series, but like pair of games against the Wizards. You were pretty critical Monday when we were texting about it of, of Beal's performance on Monday. Like, why why did you think he wasn't able to do what he did tonight? Maybe he handling, maybe Melton had part to do with yeah. that. Oh, yeah, he was just handling the ball too much, and maybe that's. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it was Melton guarding him, but like he shouldn't be handling the ball, even if he's like not turning the ball over. I don't want him handling the ball because he he should be. In this offense, Bradley Beal should be the second option, and I I genuinely believe that. A lot of people, I might get hate for that from Wizards fans, but genuinely, I I don't think he should be the primary option. I think he's I think he's probably a better scorer than KP, but he's also not seven foot three and a, <laughs> a unicorn that can do literally anything on the court. So it's just like. It's just understanding your personnel, and hopefully now that Brad and KP are playing more together, that that chemistry and that understanding of Bradley's like Bradley's role on the team. And I'm not saying Brad's a role player, but his 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 role is is different now, and he has to recognize that, especially with Monte Morris, a, a guy who can handle the ball. Yeah, and people will dismiss the Wizards, which like I mean, we me and Joe Eckstein even kind of were doing that on the podcast, but. 
I think the Wizards, they're certainly not in the Wembenyama race. They're going to compete this year. Where that's a little different from, I would say, the 2020 Wizards with when it was Beal and Ish Smith and not many others. Like, Beal, Beal was, just because you didn't have those options, Beal was basically the lead scorer, the lead creator. And when the Wizards were at their best, he was not an on-ball guy, as we said. So I think it's kind of interesting that they're starting to build this scheme. And as long as KP stays healthy, that is going to be, yeah, you know, it is a concern. Course, but but if he does stay healthy, I think this Wizards team, as a Wizards fan, where do you see this season going? What do you think they're going to wind I think, up as? I think we'll we'll make the playoffs um, and then get bounced in the first round. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think I think we're better than quite a few of those teams, like in the in the midsection. And I think that I don't know. I think that we're going to get things clicking, and I think that. Rui's just going to continue to grow and accept that role off the bench because it's not necessarily something that he's used to. I think he's. I think he'll start to accept the role, and I think he'll be really, really good for us off the bench. But it's just, it's just a matter of people accepting their roles and and doing what they're supposed to do. And mm-hmm. um, I think someone who's, I think he was hurt, right? Kispert is he coming back soon? He's coming back soon, That's which is help. very exciting. Because yeah. um, our 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 guard depth is a little shaky right now. We do, here's the thing: I don't. Johnny Davis is one of the most bizarre picks that we've made. I, I think he he's talented, but he he just doesn't fit. And I don't think. I don't know. We didn't need a shooting guard. Like yeah. we needed, we needed a point guard. We we addressed drafted Kispert the year before, so it was like a pointless pick. And I don't know. I, I find it weird because his profile. Everyone said he was like at least going to be like average defensively, but he can't even crack yeah. the rotation. It's yeah, just kind of yeah. Um, but yeah, Kispert coming back will be huge for us. I think he's an awesome shooter, and when he's on, he's on, and. Um, he's a high effort guy too, um, and so that that'll be exciting. I think a lot of Wizards fans love Kispert, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, he hasn't done a ton in his career, but he has so much potential that I think, other than maybe Rui, I think Kispert is probably the the favorite draft pick of of the four guys in the in the past, you know, four or five years. Who's the fourth along with Davis and those two? Denny. Oh, Denny, right. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I think think that's a fair way to analyze that team. The key for the Wizards is, like, Brooklyn, who I'm going to talk about in the second half of this podcast alone. But that's, like, that situation needs to keep spiraling because that frees up a spot for the Wizards. You need, and then you just need one team to have a bad injury. And then eight, eight is not out of the question for Washington. Yeah, I mean, the only thing with Brooklyn is, like, I don't know, just briefly, like, Ime actually coaching them is kind of scary. Yeah, like, <laughs> because the actual a, coaching he's part, a, he's him an doing incredible his job. Coach. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's a bad person, it seems, but yeah. if he's, if he's like, on track and he's actually coaching them, I think they're going to be scary. But yeah. yeah, I think that's definitely fair. Just to end on a Sixers note here, I think the key for this team, besides obviously having Joel Embiid in the lineup, this bench unit is kind of spiraling out of control besides DeAnthony Melton. We did improve, but we improved from just so garbage to, like, adequate enough. We To me, this team is still missing. You tell me if you agree just by watching these last two games. This team is missing a scorer off the bench, and they're also missing any form of playmaking off the bench, and that's a problem because that's what you need to win games. Early in his career, you took you put Tyrese Maxey in, in like the starting lineup, but I feel like... I mean, you can't you can't put him on the bench, but having him off the bench would be like an insane thing, and that would just boost the entire. I mean, I don't know. 
just having something it. like that it's just like i see what you're saying he has just, he has he's just like i don't know it's he's, like he i think does, he's he better up too fast yeah almost. He, yeah he's better than tyler hero but he's like that tyler hero type guy yeah. like that miami has like like he has he can be an incredible scorer no matter when you need him and i don't know mm-hmm. i i agree he, he did develop too fast yeah it's it's not it's not a bad thing not a bad thing but, but it's just kind of true because yeah. he's certainly leap shake and shake has kind of gotten to the point where he's um, he's unplayable and i uh, I don't know, like Utah, they're winning, so I don't know if Clarkson's going to be dra- dealt anytime soon. Yeah. But probably by February, someone like that. I that, think that's that who would we, be we that would add. be an incredible mm-hmm. pickup. I would love that. I don't know what the trade would be, yeah. but hopefully, that would be well, we just good. lost our second round pick, so we can't throw them in there because we tampered with PJ Tucker. <laughs> so I guess we can't make any small scale trades. Yeah. We already can't make any big ones because we don't have any first rounders. But you could trade Matisse and. I think Matisse and Matisse shake for shake those for... three. It's just would Utah? I just feel like they're going to get better offers for Jordan Clarkson than Matisse Thibel and Shake Milton. Yeah, I mean you could always offer a, a future second, even yeah. if it's not this year. We also have Jaden Springer, but I just I, I hope he's nineteen. Yeah. Like I, I hope he has a nice career. We shouldn't yeah. have cut Isaiah Joe, but that's another discussion. I don't know. Well, I think the Sixers will be fine. Definitely a playoff team, but. I, I was just so ready for them to walk into this season. We, we even talked about it on the podcast yeah. last time as c- title contenders, and there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't want to go in on Doc right now because I can't really say, besides, you know, guarding Porzingis with six foot five guys, that he did anything too crazy this week, but I'm sure I'll touch on Doc another time. But that's going to do it for this section of the pod here. Thanks for coming on Thank and talking you. Wizards Thanks with for having me. me. Absolutely. Uh, stay tuned for the rest of the pod if you're interested because I want to put my two cents in on this Brooklyn Nets situation. But thank you to Andrew for joining. Hopefully the Sixers can turn around next time out. So to address the Nets situation, Steve Nash fired as the head coach. He's going to be replaced by Ime Adoka, former Celtics coach who just led them to the NBA Finals last June. And obviously he was suspended by the Celtics for what they deemed an inappropriate relationship with a coworker. And there's obviously probably a lot more details we don't know about because Seems like it's a lot worse because they they haven't really released all the details. People have theorized, but one way or another, it seems like Ime Doka did something that the Celtics weren't happy about. But now the Celtics, they're succeeding under their current interim coach, Joe Mazzulla, and now it appears they'll be sending Ime to Brooklyn uh, to coach this Nets team, the third coach of the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving Nets era. So this is yet another headache story for the Nets to deal with. And, well, on top of that, Kyrie Irving's current situation. We've had two crazy Nets situations all in this week, and the Nets are currently 13th in the Eastern Conference with a 2-6 and six record. This team has a ton of issues, and it's going to go down as one of the biggest train wrecks in NBA history, one of the biggest uh, collapse, not even collapses, but just disappointments for a team that was expected so much. And... You know, you'll, uh, just to give my take on the Ime situation, I do think he's clearly a good coach. We saw what he did with the Celtics, turning them around, install, instilling that culture of defense and, and responsibility, and just the Celtics were playing great disciplined basketball under him. I guess that's what the goal here is from Nets owner Joe Sy to hire him, is that, oh, he'll, he'll, and, and Sean Marks, the GM as well, I guess their intention is that he'll be the guy to change the culture uh, and make guys like Durant and Irving and Ben Simmons take responsibility. I don't think any coach is going to do that, but I guess from a an, an X's and O's standpoint, I understand this move. 
I think Steve Nash, while I don't think he was, uh, you know, an A-plus coach, he also did have them uh, in his first year there, uh, a game away from making the Eastern Finals uh, with the Bucks, the eventual champions, beating them in, in overtime of, of a seven-game series. The fact that Steve Nash's first job as a coach was a, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets with Durant and Kyrie was a situation that was not ideal to begin with. I'm not a big fan of throwing... Uh, guys into right into head coaching jobs. You know, Jason Kidd, he's kind of been able to develop his career despite doing that, but it took him a while. You know, he was the Nets coach, but then turmoil led to him leaving after one year, struggled with the Bucks, and it took him, you know, really eight years bef- to become a good coach, but now he's playing, he's coaching well with the Mavericks. Uh, but it took him three jobs to really figure out how to do it. So Steve Nash, maybe one day if he wants to continue to coach, maybe he'll work his way back up to being a head coach one day and he'll be better. But I don't think he got a fair shake. He's definitely being scapegoated. It's very similar to the Frank Vogel getting fired by the Lakers. And he won a championship, so Steve Nash didn't win a, champion, didn't win a championship, so you had to figure this move was going to come. So that's my defense of Steve Nash. When you look at the Nets across the board, I mean the Kyrie situation, I don't even really want to touch on it. You know, a lot of people, obviously, the, the big thing going that happened was that he put on his Instagram story, he essentially promoted, you know, something to do with Alex Jones, some sort of, you know, people, some people believe he's basically being anti-Semitic. Now, then there's people you'll read in under comments of that stuff saying, actually, if you look at it, it's really not. I'm not going to comment because I haven't read the book. I haven't watched whatever he's promoting. I haven't looked at it. So I'm not going to comment whether or not it is. But... Taken away from the fact that that is that in itself, if it is true, like I have no idea if Kyrie actually believes that stuff or if he. I almost feel like Kyrie Kyrie likes to put it, put this stuff out all the time. He's always putting all kinds of crazy stuff out there on social media. He's always saying crazy stuff. I almost feel like he just wants people to think that he's looking at all these these things and look look at this, look at that. I I'm I'm so intelligent. Like he he just wants people to think he's on this other plane of existence almost. And that, that goes back to the COVID stuff as well, the vaccine stuff from last year. Like, do I think Kyrie is actually like an anti-Semite and hates Jewish people? I don't know. I hope not, because if he does, he's just a bigot. Like, he's just a bad guy. It doesn't help that the whole Kanye situation happened pretty much at the same time this happened, where Kanye's literally actually going out there and saying anti-Semitic stuff himself on live television where Kyrie put one thing on an Instagram story and yes it's it sounds like it's bad like from what people are saying once again I haven't actually read it I don't plan to read it so I don't want to say definitively that I agree or not but I don't know like based on how Kyrie's acted in the past I think he's controversial I think he's kind of he's gone off the deep end for sure but do I think he's actually like that Do I think he actually is an anti-Semite full-fledged? No, I I don't. But I just think, I think the reason people think that about him right now is because he is such a nuisance and such an unreliable person who wants everybody to think that he's he's doing it differently than everybody else. And I don't understand why he does that, but that is what he's been doing for five years now. It's just another headache from him. How many times do we have to do this? This is, we're going on six, seven years of this, ever since he asked out of Cleveland. He, he had LeBron James. He was coming off one of the greatest championship victories 18 months earlier. He's like, I want out. I want my own team. Now, some people wrote that off as just Kyrie wants to prove he can win on his own. He goes to Boston. He really wasn't a good teammate to the younger guys. He, he quit on them uh, and then left them in free agency. He didn't even try to compete in that second playoff run. And then his first year there, 
they were succeeding without him when he was injured. You know, the whole flat earth stuff is kind of where this can be traced back to. At the time, everyone thought it was just kind of funny, but it, it kind of, that's kind of the tipping point. That's where it started. And Kyrie has just gotten more and more crazy since. And especially in Brooklyn. I mean, you look at last year with the with the vaccine stuff. And it just, just he, he's saying, like, he, he, he couldn't do his job because choices he himself made and then he wanted to blame everybody else for those issues. Not to mention, he has had his share fair of injuries, he doesn't play defense, and he just seems like a pain to be around. He doesn't seem like a guy who really ever knows what he wants. And now, now what he's done this week is just another step that I'm just beyond confused by. And I, I, I don't even know what to make of that. So I'm just going to move on from that. He's just not a guy you can tie your franchise to, and he's a guy they're depending on. Kevin Durant personally pretty much recruited him to come to Brooklyn and team up with him. And really, Kevin Durant was the guy who wanted Kenny Atkinson fired and wanted Steve Nash instilled as the coach because he believed Steve Nash was the right coach for this team because he's a former star, he's a former MVP, he knows how the All-Stars want to think. This was back when James Harden was still on the team. He thought They thought Steve Nash would be the guy to guide them. Sean Marks as well hired Steve Nash. They fired Kenny Atkinson for no good reason. You know, the 2019 Nets were building a great culture under him. You know, Durant and Kyrie signed. Durant doesn't even play. that. He never played a game under Atkinson. But I guess apparently I, when you look back at what the stories were saying, Kyrie and KD didn't like Atkinson. They thought he was – I don't know what they thought. Was he too hard on them? Was he – you know, didn't know how to coach stars, whatever it is. But Atkinson gets fired during a season Durant's not even playing. So he never even got a chance to actually use the team he, he was trying to build. And then Nash comes in, and they do have a good season with Harden there. Harden hurts his hamstring, and he's a non-factor in that Bucks series. Kyrie's up and down. He's dealing with injuries. Durant had a great season, and from there, it's just been downhill. Last year, he was dealing with the injuries. And the thing about Durant that I think... He, you can't question his talent. He gets on the court, and he dominates. He's scoring 30-plus points a game this year, I believe. I mean, he's been putting up 30 to 35 every night. But my thing with Durant is that he's not a leader, and that's kind of part of the issue with this Nets team as well. I think Kyrie's the biggest issue, certainly. But with Durant, he, he's not the galvanizing force. With the Golden State, what he does worked because he comes, he comes into the gym, he puts in all the work to be the the best scorer we've seen in, in really, maybe in really since Michael Jordan, probably the best scorer. He puts in the work to do that. He, he lights up the box score and they win championships in Golden State because Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Steve Kerr are setting the culture, the already established culture that he walked into and he balled out. And that's fine. But when Kevin Durant comes to Brooklyn, he's expected to be the culture. He's supposed to build it. And what that culture has led to is James Harden leaving after a year, asking to be traded, pretty much forcing them to trade him, and everyone killed Harden. But I think we've, he's proven to be very justified. I'm glad he's in Philly now. We've seen two coaches get fired. Jock Vaughn is currently serving as interim coach. Now, that's probably not going to last long because we know Udoka's coming. But this is the second time Jock Vaughn's had to be the interim coach for the Nets because they fired two coaches during this three-year span. So he's gotten the coach fired. He's gotten Harden really to not KD. KD didn't force Harden to leave, but KD's insistence on how this Nets team operates kind of is what 
you know, made Harden kind of not want to stay. And you look at the other things that this Nets team has done. Sean Marks, the GM, deserves a ton of blame, too, for not surrounding Kyrie and KD with better teammates because maybe the Nets, if they had any semblance of defense and size, could have overcome all these off-court issues on the court. But because their entire team doesn't play defense, it's just a bunch of shooters or small guards. Like Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Joe Harris. I like all those guys. None of them play defense. Kyrie doesn't play defense. They traded Jared Allen as part of the, uh, in that huge Harden deal, because I guess maybe they didn't want to pay him, maybe they wanted to play DeAndre Jordan, which, you know, he was gone six months later anyway. That was horrific. We've seen Jared Allen go on to become an all-star in a short time over with Cleveland. It's just bad personnel moves across the board. I, I don't think, I guess Ben Simmons is their defensive guy. That's the last piece of this, Ben Simmons. The guy who didn't play last year at all for the Sixers or the Nets, they traded James Harden, who's playing like a top 10 to 12 player in the league right now, for Simmons, and now he's back. And the one thing he was great at was playing perimeter defense. He is not, he's not that guy this year. And as a creative force, you know, some Nets fans will point to his assist numbers. The reason his assists are at 7 to 8 a game is because he's scared to shoot and he passes the ball 30 times a game or whatever it is. We've seen him basically hand the ball off to Kevin Durant like it's a quarterback handing off to a running back in the backfield instead of going to the rim and dunking it. It's like that Trey Young play completely changed this man. He hasn't gone back to being the explosive Ben Simmons that I guess some Nets fans thought he would be, and he's not even playing the great perimeter defense he did with the Sixers. To me, he's, I don't know, he's, he's basically like like name brand Matisse Thibel right now. I'm sorry, that's, it's just the truth. And I don't just say that because I hate Ben Simmons, although I do. He he was he caused a traumatic moment in Sixers history, but I would be objective if he was out here averaging 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists a game on 60% shooting and improved his free throw and got his confidence back, but he's playing bad. So when you throw in all these narratives, not to mention, I almost forgot about this, Kevin Durant has to be traded, and he demanded Sean Marks and Steve Nash be fired. Of course, Nash has now been fired. But Kevin Durant wanted to be traded from this team, a team that he, he, he made the bed and didn't want to lay in it, and then he asked to be traded, and the Nets were like, well, we can't trade you for a package we want. No one's going to offer us five first-round picks because you know Rudy Gobert is out here going for five picks, so we have to get more than that for you. You're a, you're a first-ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players of your generation. And Durant, Durant might win out. He always seems unhappy. Kyrie's gone insane. Ben Simmons is scared to play basketball. And now they have a coach who, you know, granted, I think is going to be able to put this behind him because nobody really knows the details. Unless the details really come out, this story will eventually fade, especially if Ime does a good job coaching this team. Now, Ime's whole thing is the defensive culture. I don't know where that's coming from with this team because even if Ben gets back to being that guy that's only one person there's nobody else on this Nets team I guess Royce O'Neal but he's I don't know he's a b-minus defender I mean he's okay he's a good hand but come on but anyway but the thing about Ime is this is this is another narrative in the circus for the Nets it's they're going to show up to the post-game pressers and there's going to be four different crazy things going on that they're going to have to answer about it's just going to be a distraction to this team and we've seen when there's that much distractions around a team that's not going to work out you know we, we a similar team to this but in a much lighter vein was the 12-13 Lakers with Steve Nash you know Kobe Dwight Howard 
and they they changed coaches three times that season. But it was always the basketball fit. It was always, like, yo, Dwight, are you going to re-sign with the Lakers? Dwight, are you happy with, you know, taking a backseat to Kobe? Uh, Kobe, do you like Dwight Howard? Like, that kind of stuff. It was it was toxic, but it was also, like, the more— the, it didn't feel immoral. Like, Kyrie is just— especially with the new stuff, is just ridiculous. And, I mean, Emei sounds like he did something bad, too. We don't know what for sure, but— I don't know. And then Ben Simmons isn't immoral, but he's just doesn't he's not a good teammate. Like you wouldn't want to play basketball with Ben Simmons. He doesn't work to improve. And now it seems he's even scared to do what he used to be good at. So this Nets team, two and six, I could really see him missing the playoffs. And where if that happens, you know, they probably rally, make the play in and maybe make round one, but I could totally see them getting bounced off by Boston or Milwaukee again. I I, I mean Boston swept them last year. I think that could happen again. Uh, and where they go from there after this season, I don't know. And it's more what I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how Kevin Durant's final five or so years in the league pan out because that guy's still incredible. Maybe he has more than five years, but let's say f- his five prime years that he could have here. As long as he stays healthy, that is. I, I don't know where this goes. I don't know where this goes. I, I think a trade to the Suns would have been really interesting and could have given him a great last chapter to his career. Seems like that fell through. I'd be surprised if it ever happens now. So I, I, I guess maybe something will materialize in the coming year. But this Nets team's a disaster. It, it's an all-time disaster. I, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to root against them, but... Like, and I like rooting against them, but it's also just a wild story. And I don't know how it's going to conclude, but I don't think it's going to be any, mu- any more pretty for this Brooklyn Nets team. You know, since they moved to Brooklyn in 2012, talk about a disaster. I mean, we had, they had the whole Boston, you lose all the picks, you lose Tatum and Brown, um, and, and even Colin Sexton, if you want to throw him in there. They lose all those picks. They go through the rebuild. Then they start to build that culture. They make the playoffs, face off against the Sixers with D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, good coach and Kenny Atkinson. And then it, they, they think they strike pay dirt with Durant and, and Kyrie, and it, it all goes downhill. <laughs> I, it's, it's insane. But I'm glad Daryl Morey was somehow able to pry James Harden from Brooklyn and give up Ben Simmons and save the Sixers. And, you know, even if we don't win a t- if, even if we never win the title, it's always going to be easier to watch the Sixers with James Harden at the point than Ben Simmons. So I'm very grateful. This is, of course, the Sixers' first podcast, so I'll end on that. I'm very happy we wound up with James Harden and the Nets are stuck with Ben Simmons and a whole lot of other nonsense. So thank you guys for listening to Trust the Podcast tonight. I don't know if that Nets rant made any sense. I think it did for the most part. It's hard to talk about the Kyrie stuff because it's, it's a sensitive topic, and I really don't have all the details. But with that aside, thank you guys for listening today. Make sure to follow Trust the Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you aren't already. Check out the TikTok. I've been posting clips on there a lot lately as well. And other than that, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And hopefully the Sixers can get back on track soon when our guy Embiid recovers from his current illness. Thanks for listening.